Right, hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, still buzzing after Saturday's result at Anfield. Joined as ever by Simon Lyons. Simon, how are you, mate? All good? Yeah, really good. Buzzing. Buzzing after yesterday. It was just such a, a good day. I said to you last night, getting off the coach tonight, that it was one of my favourite away days of the season. It was just uh, it was just such a good day. The sun was shining. We had a great pre-match. and uh, Not a bad resort and a performance to, to match as well, which... Yeah, keeps us in the hunt. So yeah, really good. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Still, I kind of I've never felt so happy and, and thrilled with the result after throwing away a lead in the 89th minute. Like you should think on paper, you should yeah. be coming away gutted. But we'll get into all the implications and you know what happened earlier on in the day and things like that in a little bit. Apologies if I sound like I've got a cold or a bunged up nose. It's because I have on the hottest week of the year. I've managed to develop a cold. So apologies for that. Uh, coming up on the podcast, obviously we'll discuss our trip to Anfield, uh, our experience from the away end, a few incidents that happened throughout the day as well like we've already said a very very good day before we get on to that please do go and check out the Villa on Tour video from the weekend the support on that has already been very very good so if you haven't already checked out that video please go and do that like we've already said ups and downs throughout the day like I said such a great away day everything happened so so good so go and check out the uh, video on YouTube subscribe to the podcast as well whatever you are listening on Spotify Apple please do subscribe every Monday morning a new podcast uh, is released so please do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Should we get into it? The away day. I like Liverpool away. I like going to the northwest. Um, it's, it's easy enough to get to, isn't it? What about two hours? Our coach left at eight o'clock in the morning. The sun was shining. It was just, it was just top class, wasn't it? And I always like going up there. Everton, Liverpool. It's always good fun, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. It's it's my it's my favourite sort of area in the country to go to an away day in the northwest because it's it's quick, isn't it? You're there quick, and then after the game as well, you're sort of back at a, a reasonable hour, so it doesn't feel like it's a, an absolutely you know, really long day, which some of them can feel if you go like down safe and in yeah. London and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was a perfect day to start off with, wasn't it really? The sun was shining and uh, yeah, it just felt like, it felt like it was going to be a good day. I think as soon as we boarded the coach, it felt like it was going to be a good day yesterday. Yeah, we had the feeling before the game, didn't we, that, I don't know, we both sort of said we've, we've got a feeling today, like we've got a, what a, got a good feeling about it. I said it after the Tottenham game, I just had a feeling that we'd get something, especially with the fact that Tottenham were playing earlier on in the day and you said you didn't like that. Mm, yeah. But I did, I did like it. We had it on in the uh, in the pubs, didn't we? Half 12 kickoff, obviously. Tottenham go 1-0 up and we're all sort of thinking, oh, okay, this is, this is in the script, we need to beat Liverpool. But in the end, you know, Brentford come back and, and everybody's buzzing, aren't they? Yeah, and that was and that was the plus side of having the half top kick off. I think I was thinking from the other side of things is that Spurs had have won the game. Yeah. We'd have all felt very despondent by half two, twenty to three sort of thing. And so I think that was on my mind. But then as soon as obviously Spurs lost again in, in, in the terrible fashion that they are at the moment, um I think it just pumped us all up. And if we're being honest, it probably pumped the players up as well. Yeah, because yeah. they would have seen that result in the dressing room when they went back in after the warm up. And uh I think they would have seen it and thought, right, okay, let's let's give it a real big push. Um but in terms of like the feeling before the game yesterday, I think from my point of view, I felt I was feeling confident and I think that, you know, like like I say, you get to Liverpool, you can play well and you can get beat. We yeah. all know that because Liverpool are are, are a good side and they um you know they've sort of they haven't done that great this season they've been out, they're out, they look like they're going to finish outside the top 4 which is a poor season for Liverpool but um i mean you know they've only lost one home game all season you know and so it's a really tough place to go but you always got that confidence in the Unai Emery team that we're going to go there with a, a, a game plan it's not going to be the same as what it was the previous week we're going to go there with a game plan 
to either stop or hurt the opposition. And even in the games we've lost recently, you know, the Man U and the Wolves games, it's been close close shows, yeah. though, hasn't it? It's not been like we've been outclassed and we've lost 2-3-0 in each of those games. It's been really close. And so you always know Villa are going to give any team a game. And uh, yeah, and I felt confident. I just thought that, you know, Villa, the players will be up for it. Uh, we've got, you know, we had some injured players back in terms of like a, you know, got Kamara with some, some some more minutes in his legs from last week and stuff. And so, yeah, I felt reasonably confident for the game. Yeah, so did I. And I think in in the pub as well. I think Brentford equalised, didn't we? We saw that we were walking across Stanley Park, and then we realised that they'd uh, gone two one up. And then it was in the concourse. We saw the third go in, yeah. and at that point, like you said, you've just got that feeling. The players would have got that feeling. That it's in our hands. It's in our hands. We talked about the pub then. The atmosphere in there was very, very decent. It was actually um, a spoons by the Everton ground because he went to uh, an original pub and it was closed. It said no away fans with colours, no under 25s, things like that. So he went to a spoons by the Everton ground. Everybody was in there. There were songs going. Uh, the new Matty Cash song was very, very decent. Singing about Stephen Gerrard's, about the uh, slipping on his ass song. Uh, the, the bouncers weren't very happy. I think you, you, <laughs> you got told off. I cop for it. I didn't even sing it, which was bizarre. Yeah, so Bouncer came over to me and he was saying, I need to stop singing songs about Gerard. And I was like, I'm not even singing any songs about Gerard. But then he went on into a spiel about how I needed to stop because I didn't. he, he didn't know whether there was anybody who was related or knows who Stephen Gerard in the that club. That is bonkers. And I was like, I don't really care. But I mean, I had a few to drink at that point. And I kept pointing out, I kept pointing out to him, yeah, but Gerard was terrible for us. So that's all I just kept pointing out. So... Yeah, it was it was a it was a weird one, wasn't it? It was really bizarre because we, we were leaving at the time anyway. Like we were we yeah. were just leaving to go to the ground. I think it was what like half one, quarter to two, whatever. So we were going anyway. But this bouncer just just didn't didn't take to it, did he? Like I get it, you know, it's the spoons and stuff. But there was plenty of Villa fans in there. They must have expected that you know there would have been a, a few songs going round. But that was so so odd. <laughs> just I can picture in my mind now of us just leaving and you just shouting at this bouncer, telling him how horrible Gerard was for Villa, and he was just like, get out, get out. But uh, you know. If, if anybody knows us, we're not the type of lads to cause problems. Honestly, it's 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 not like us. That was really really strange, but yeah, a really odd one that was. Well, that's the thing. We're not exactly ones to be. I didn't say any abusive things yeah, to yeah. or anything like no that. Swearing. No swearing. No, no swearing. Literally just telling him how rubbish Steve and Gerard was for Villa. And I've never seen someone get so het up about a person that they've never probably met yeah. or they probably don't know or have any any links to apart from that. He's also from Liverpool. Like. <laughs> he must have been a Liverpool fan. He yeah, must no, he was. No, he was because oh, was because after I after I said something we can get about Gerard, he said something like, "Oh, you won't be saying that after after we've uh, smashed oh, you." That was it. Yeah, that was well. like, okay. Then but that's <laughs> where we that's where we walked up. But I've never seen someone so passionate about an ex player. Or I mean, like I said to you, didn't I? I said. Yeah, I love it. I love like Ian Taylor, for instance. But if somebody said to me, like, or sang a song about Ian Taylor, I probably wouldn't literally be frothing at the mouth in terms of <laughs> jumping to his defence. Like, it was just baffling, wasn't it? But uh, it sort of uh, it put a smile on my face. Actually, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. That, those are the sorts of things that you don't see in the uh, the Villa on Tour YouTube videos. We tend to cut them bits out. Um, but just pretty much anyway, it was nice to see Dan Bardell there, wasn't it? Just yeah. that last away game feel. It was just nice to have everybody there. The sun was shining. It was just it was just fantastic pretty much, wasn't it? And that's, we say it all the time, away games and the people there can't beat it, can you? No, you can't. You look back on, you know, you look back on the season, really. And we've had, we've had a lot of good ones this season, really. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of that's down to, obviously, Emery coming in and the players uh, playing for him. And we've had a lot of good results this season on the road, which, 
it's probably the first time in a long time for us to say that as Villa fans. And so that's helped. But yeah, as you say, the people you meet, it's always, you know, the same the same sort of people you see every week and then some new people come along. And it's just it's just a really good time, isn't it? And every single away day, we always have just an absolutely brilliant day. And so, yeah, we always love it. And then, uh, yeah, it gets this time of year and we can't wait for it all to start all over again. Well, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. But in terms of away games, that that was the last one, and it was yeah. it was a brilliant one to end on. It really was. Uh, walking to the ground, then through Stanley Park, plenty of Liverpool fans everywhere, Villa fans, whatever. I was quite surprised how much building work was going on at Anfield because I knew they were doing something with the I don't know what the stands called, but it's Anfield Road, Anfield Road, yeah, where yeah. the away end is. Yeah, it's sort of similar to what we think they're going to do with the North Stand, isn't it? They're sort of building behind it. I think they're making another tier, are they, or making the upper tier bigger? So there's a lot of building work going on, and you know, it's, it's I like Anfield. It's it's a decent class sort of stage and I like the fact they haven't sort of got rid of it and started to build a new one like an Arsenal Tottenham for example it's really when you're there it's really tight-knit isn't it like really close mm. to the pitch on top of the pitch it's, it's, it's a great away game isn't it great away stage and I really like Anfield yeah me too I like Anfield I've always liked going to Anfield um yeah, it's always a good away day, but you know, in terms of the stadium, yeah, it's 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 good, and I, I respect that. I respect what they've done because, as you say, it could have been easy for them to have moved away from Anfield and gone like to Everton the, as well, just across yeah, the park. Yeah, and gone to and gone to a new stadium, but Liverpool are sort of yeah stuck with that, and they built that new main stand, which is impressive. Yeah. Um, and then obviously they're they're building on on top of other the stand they've already got on the Anfield Road end, and yeah, so like I think they're bringing the stand like a lot further out. Right? Mm. that you can see it's going to be like a lot deeper, and that's one thing I'd say the Anfield Road end, the away end, it's very like tight in there, isn't it? And, like the concourse area is quite small, yeah. and um, and even in, like the seats, it's quite like narrow and quite small as well. And so yeah, it's impressive, but I do like Anfield. Yeah, concourse is very small. I touched on it there. I think there was a few issues at half time and stuff, but with rail seating as well, they've got safe standing in the away end. For guys who are like six foot plus like us, standing okay. But if you, you can't you can't sit down, I get the point of it isn't to sit down yeah, and stuff, yeah. but at half time or you know, if you just want to catch a break or whatever, you can't sit down, yeah. can you? And I get it that you know, in terms of rail seating, they're sort of saying, I don't think it is now, but in the future you can fit one and a half or two to one um in terms of normal seating. So it's very, very tight, isn't it? And it kind of felt yesterday there was far too many people in that the way end that, that probably should have been there. So from that side of things I like safe standing, but wasn't comfortable at times yesterday. I think um, I think the main reason for it though is that was I saw a picture on Twitter and I know this from history where I've sat at the back of the way end at Anfield is that if you're at the back you struggle to see all of the pitch because yeah. of, the, because of the, the, the upper tier sort of overhangs a little bit um, and so what I think people did and I saw a few comments on Twitter that people moved out of those seats. You can't blame them. No you can't but then obviously it becomes a, it does become a bit of a safety issue for people. Yeah. You've got the aisles totally blocked and yeah. then you've got more people in the row than what you should have and that uh, it happens all the time every year at Liverpool, and it, and it, yeah, it happened again yesterday. Which yeah, it was a very um, I, I said it was a very like sweaty and hot away end yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we were the only ones not in the sun, though, weren't we? I think we got decent seats. We yeah, were, we did. We were in the shade all day, but people in front of us. I mean, the amount of blokes with tops off was mad. But yeah, yeah. it was it was a very hot day. I was just thankful we weren't just about in the sun. Yeah, yeah, because there was just a lot of people around by us, wasn't it? It just felt <laughs> very very warm. But but yeah, it's uh, it's always good fun. Right then, should we get into it? Team news then. There was a couple of changes, weren't there? We yeah. were reacting to team news just outside the stadium. Kamara comes in, Luca Dean comes in, Cash as well. I think Dean was pretty sensible looking on it now and obviously had a very, very good game. But Moreno has probably been our star man for a lot of weeks now. But I think, you know, with the game that you're not going to have a lot of attacks and not a lot of the board, Dean, who's a little bit more defensive, that's fair enough. Kamara coming in, fair enough. Moving McGinn around a little bit. Matty Cash, fresh legs. We don't know how Ashley Young has, has fared in training. He's 37, 38. He's played a lot of football, more football than we probably would have expected. So I think with that team news, a few changes, but pretty self-explanatory. Kind of, but I think it shows why 
Emery's a top class manager though and we're not sort of thing really because I don't think if you just spoke to any Villa fan I think they'd have said that they'd have expected Kamara to come in to try and get his foot on the ball Yeah, I don't think anyone would have expected Cash or Dino to come in there at all like to be honest I know when you think about it you think oh yeah Dino is a bit more defensive and uh, you know he's gonna he'll, he'll, he'll do a job in there um, but then again, like Ashley, and Ashley on the other side, he's been brilliant recently, and people have been talking about you know going to Anfield with his experience playing for Man U and stuff. And you'd have thought he'd have carried on, but Emery obviously saw something and thought, well, no, actually, we'll bring Cash and Dina in. And um, and there were two master strikes really. I thought Cash was brilliant all day yeah, long. He was. And, and Luca Dean, while he was on the pitch, give credit to Luca Dean because he's been on the periphery really for mm. for a while now since Moreno's come in because of how good Moreno's been. And he took a little bit of stick, Luca Dean, really. I suppose, I, you know, we we bought him for sort of big money and he's not probably not got to the heights that all the all the Villa fans wanted but I mean as I always say it's not a bad option to have is it when you've yeah, got Moreno yeah. and Dino it's very strong that is in your left back position and he came in yesterday and I thought he was absolutely brilliant looking at Salah like he didn't give Salah a kick yeah, or anything yeah. I thought he was I thought he was excellent and I think and I think in the second half when he got injured I feel like it kind of disrupted us a little bit if I'm being totally honest I think I think those injuries did do that to us in the second half and so yeah big credit to to Luca Dean for coming in, but also big credit to the manager because he made those big decisions, which probably a lot of us might not have done. Yeah, fresh legs in the fullback area. Obviously, Liverpool very strong forward line. They were missing Darwin Nunes, which was a bonus for Villa. Still got Gakpo, Diaz, Mo Salah. Like you said, quite afternoon, didn't he? Luca Dean did, did a fantastic job there. First sort of event in the game was the penalty, wasn't it? Sort of it was a quiet first twenty minutes, sort of working each other out. It was a great move from Villa, great counter-attack. Douglas Louise wins the ball back brilliantly, falls yeah. to uh, John McGinn. Jacob Ramsey's involved as well. The ball from McGinn is excellent. Round the corner, Watkins with that burst of pace, gets that touch. Canate brings him down. Stonewall, isn't it? Stonewall penalty. Yeah. yeah, and it was a great move. I think Louise was excellent all afternoon long, wasn't he? Breaking up the play in midfield, and he, and he did that again for that for that goal. And Quick pass into McGinn, and McGinn's just one time. I mean, one-time pass. It was, in, it was a sensational ball, wasn't it, for for a first time ball, it was sensational, and uh, and Ollie Watkins did well. Really, he did he did really really well to to get there and get that touch on it. So he did really well to win the penalty, but just not so much for what happened next. Really, yeah, it wasn't great. And I think Watkins' record now stands that he scored four penalty and missed five. It's it's not great. And yeah. it was a really it wasn't like you know the keeper made a worldy save. You can't be putting penalties right. off target. That that's unacceptable. Do you think it might be time for a change of penalty taker? Who, who, who's the other candidates? Louise, Luca Dean when he plays. I don't think there's any other stand. Doubts, but I'm a, I'm a sort of firm believer in your number nine should take your penalties. Like it's pretty self-explanatory. Twelve yards, one v, one versus one shot should score really. I don't think there's any obvious candidate, is there? I think no. that's the problem. I mean, years gone by. I remember when uh, Gareth Barry was at the club and he used to take the Villa's penalties because he was so good at them, and you know you just knew he was going to be Gareth Barry. And I remember when he used to be out of the team for whatever reason, and Ashley Young used to take him, and Ashley was never that great. Yeah. He used to couple, I remember. And it's kind of like now, really. I mean, our penalty taker was Danny Ings, wasn't it? You mm. know, Danny Ings, and he would take all, if, if he was on the field, he would take all of our penalties. And But yeah, I'm not convinced Watkins is probably a brilliant penalty taker, um, but I don't know if there's any real obvious sort of candidates in there, really. But I mean, we don't know, we don't see it, do we? We don't yeah. see it in training. So they must practice penalties, you would have thought, but um, I don't know how much time they would spend on it, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, maybe we need maybe we need to think about that in the summer. Maybe we need to think about a penalty taker or if there's anyone obvious in the squad. You, you see, I like the idea of like a Dino or Moreno mm. or like a Cash, someone who's quite precise. Yeah. Like, you know, like that. I I kind of like something like that, but I don't know. It feels a bit. It's still if you're if you're a fullback, it's going to be so unnatural, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, on paper you might think, okay, they can whip in a great ball, so they've got great accuracy, whatever. 
But if you're looking at the yeah. cup end from the penalty spot, it's still unnatural if you're not a natural goal scorer. And, uh, yeah, and that's why strikers take penalties, isn't it? Because they've got that mentality that I'm a striker, I'm here to score goals. Yeah. Sort of thing. And that's why they take penalties. But I think what you just said with that record, like you're missing five penalties, I, I don't think that's particularly great. And it reminds me years ago when like Angel used to take our penalties and uh, Angel missed two penalties in the same game once. I remember that. And, uh, <laughs> but he kept taking them though because he was a striker. He wasn't great at penalties, but he kept taking them because he was a striker. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah, maybe it's something we need to address in the summer. The penalty was horrendous, but I thought the reaction to it was, was brilliant. I don't think our heads dropped or anything like that. I thought the sort of mentality from Villa was like, right, okay, it's a setback, but we'll go again. I don't think Liverpool were great in that first half. I think Villa dominated it. We did. Like I said, the reaction was fantastic and we get the goal sort of five minutes later, don't we? It's sort of pinging around the Liverpool box. Bailey has a shot that's blocked. Louise, that pass, it's absolutely delicious. I think is a way, is a way to describe it. It was so good. I think people have compared it to that um, Trezeguet, El Mahamedi, Leicester semi-final goal. It's sort of a whipped cold uh, ball to the back post. It's a brilliant finish on Ramsey's weak foot, isn't it? We said it last week in the podcast that we love it when Ramsey scores. He's always sort of late arriving and popping up in the box. Two and two for him, six for the season. What a goal. Yeah, it was. And I think what you just said there about Louise, I think it just epitomises what he's been this season. He's been absolutely brilliant. And uh, if you watch that move, he actually wins the ball twice before yeah. he even gets the ball into the box. He wins it with headers twice against the, against the Liverpool players. And um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not easy to do. He's not exactly a big chap, is he, Louise? And so, not easy to do. But he won the ball twice. And obviously, Bailey's block shot comes back to him. And um, yeah, what a ball in. It was just an absolute peach of a ball, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, and JJ keeps himself onside at the back post and um, he puts it in the net. It reminded me of uh, like a Trezeguet finish, to yeah, be honest with you. 100%. It really did. But again, JJ on the score sheet and um, I just think he's really coming to his own, hasn't he, really? And he's such a key part of Villa moving forward. Like, he gets on the score sheet and he's got them driving runs and, you know, you can take the pressure off you if you're under, if you're, if you're under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, but what a goal. It was a great response. And, uh, and what you said there about Liverpool not being brilliant in the first half, I think that was just down to Villa not allowing them to be brilliant to be yeah. honest I said to you at half time that we controlled so much of the ball in the first half away at Anfield which is so so tough um, but he was the midfield which, which was key for me I think all afternoon Louise, Kamara McGinn and Ramsey in there were just brilliant at, at, at the ball retention especially in the first like, 50 odd minutes um, and that's and it helped us on our way really Going back to the goal, did you see uh, Ramsey's reaction sort of shushing the yeah. cup? That was absolutely fantastic. And Louise as well, if you watch him in the goal, he sort of faces the away end and his, his fist pumping and doing all of that. I just yeah. love that. Things yeah. like that. Emery giving high fives to everyone on the bench as we know he does every time we score as well. Absolutely class. And I think the only other sort of no, semi-clear-cut chance we had in that first half was Louise and Ramsey combining again, wasn't it, from that free kick? It was yeah. a clever free kick, actually. Yeah, and I think it, there was just slightly too much on it. I think there's a little bit off that. Alisson does really well, actually. Yeah, comes out really well, spreads himself, really good goalkeeping. That's probably, you know, the only other chance we had. But in the first half where we dominated, we won the ball back so many times. You watch the highlights, the amount of times that Liverpool couldn't get out. Kamara coming in, mm. not from the cold, but, you know, for, for the first time in a good while, he was fantastic. Like you said, that midfield, all first half, mm. was was absolutely fantastic. And that was that was the difference, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, um, yeah, you're, you're quite right. But you say, like, three chances, you know, we only had three chances. But the way Anfield in the first half, that, 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 that's well enough, isn't it? It's absolutely well enough. And, yeah, that free-kick routine was clearly worked on the training ground. And uh, I think every Liverpool player had fallen asleep, apart from the goalkeeper. You've got to give credit to Alisson, yeah, yeah. because that was, he was so quick off his line to, um, to, to sort of smother that. It was a good save, actually. Because um, it was it was going in that was. Mm. It was going in. So it was a good save. But uh, I was really pleased with the first half. I thought we were, I thought we were really good. 
didn't see Martinez, did you? On the highlights yeah. at all. Didn't see Martinez have to do anything. And like you said, Anfield, going to Anfield, that's mental. Uh, we'll talk about the, the Mings tackle briefly on Gakpo. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Don't really care. But went to VAR, got a yellow in the end. What do you reckon? Well, I, th- I think they made the right decision. I think um, I think if you look at it, you actually did get the ball. I yeah, mean, he won you know, the ball first. He won the ball. Yeah. He did win the ball. It was not. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. He didn't do it with intent. It wasn't, wasn't late. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't late. He actually got the ball, and then unfortunately, yeah, he did follow through. And I absolutely agree with yellow card and yeah, yeah. foul. Hundred percent agree. I find it a little bit ridiculous though that we're talking about what things were, at, you know, an absolute stonewall of yellow card. But then there's other things in that first half when Henderson didn't get booked. How long did it take for Bino to, to get booked after his... He only got booked with 10 to go, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's what I Constant fouling throughout the game. Didn't get booked. Henderson, when he took down, I think it was McGinn, wasn't When we were on half, the attack. Yeah, when we were on the attack. On cynical. On halfway line. Cynical. Wasn't booked. And so, it was, so I don't know, I don't understand why people are moaning at it. And especially especially Liverpool fans. When you think about what happened with Diaz, uh, sorry, um, Jota, and Jota the other yeah. week, wasn't it? Um and so I, 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 I think the referee and the VAR, to be fair, on that occasion, made, made made the right decision. Yeah, it was. If anyone missed that, Jota, when Liverpool played Tottenham a couple of weeks ago, he, he kicks Oliver Skip clean in the yeah, head, yeah, didn't yeah, he? And was it a yellow card in the end? Yeah. He, d- he didn't yeah. get sent off. So, if, you know, if we talk about consistency, that's not a sending off. Ming's one definitely isn't. Like you said, I'm not saying it wasn't a foul. Of course it was. It's a yellow card, but correct decision for me. It was. It was a foul. And I think you like you saw like, um, you saw him take his, like, his top off and you saw like the, you, know, you saw like the scratch or yeah, yeah. cut marks on his chest. And you think, okay, well, I, I get your point. You're showing it. It's, it was a foul. It was a yellow card, but Football's still a contact sport. You're not going to never ever go in. You're not not going to ever ever n- not nick a player, are you? You know, I mean, he's wearing he's wearing a pair of boots. He's not wearing a pair of trainers. You, you're going to do that, aren't you? If that happens, and it was a yellow card and it was a foul, but move on. I don't understand what the uproar is really. Liverpool for me, the, the fans that sort of always feel like they're the most hard done by. We always say at every little challenge when you go to Anfield, you hear the whole stadium like shout and scream. And it's just a sort of sense of entitlement, I think. And to be honest, we'll talk about Klopp's comments later, but I think it's fed from the manager. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago about what Klopp said was after the Tottenham game about, you know, actually naming referees and and doing things like this. If your manager's doing that, the fans are going to do it. And they, you know, I saw fans, Liverpool fans saying that, oh, you know, he hasn't sent him off because it's a Liverpool player and things like this. It's like, watch the game without your red glasses on and, and look at it. The yellow cards for Bino, yeah. everybody talks about it. You know, clear yellow cards when we're on the attack. And, okay, you've given a foul, but it's a yellow card. It's the most basic yellow card you're ever going to see. And Liverpool fans feeling hard done by on, on Twitter and social media is, is mental for me, looking at that yesterday. It's the arrogance of it, isn't it? You know, like I say, a couple of weeks ago, they'd have been defending Jota to the hilt. Yeah. And, uh, and so was Klopp, actually. And yet, yet yesterday, it was definitely a sending off of Ings. I mean, it's like, come on. If, you, if you're going to talk about referees and, and assistant referees, then at least be consistent. Mm. And that's what, you know, we've talked about referees a lot recently. Yeah. But I feel like we're fairly consistent in our approach. So we're not saying that it wasn't a foul that Ings wrong. We're saying it was definitely a foul all day long. It was yellow card. But I think at least be consistent in your approach. Well, let's continue on referees with that disallowed Liverpool goal then, the uh, Cody Gak. One, I don't see how there can be any debate at all. Uh, I think Diaz heads it, comes off concert, falls back to Virgil van Dijk. Yes, it doesn't go straight to Virgil van Dijk, but he's in an offside position, having an influence on 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 the play. So for me, Stonewall offside for me. I don't, I don't get I don't get why there's any debate, and I don't know why he went to the monitor. That is so what? bizarre. I've never seen any referee ever go to the monitor for an offside. There was a reason for it. There was a reason, and I, and I didn't realise at the time, but when it was playing out, I thought it, I said I said straight away, didn't I? I said, surely he's offside. Yeah. Surely, surely Van Dijk is offside because he looked miles off. 
I realised, and at the time we were baffled why he went to the monitor, but the reason why he went to the monitor was because if you watch it, um, Conza actually played the ball. When the ball got fired back towards uh, Van Dyke, Conza actually played the ball. And the, in the rule book, he's that if he meant that, if he deliberately tried to play the ball, the goal would have stood. Van, right. Dyke, Van Dyke wouldn't have been committed an offside offence. wasn't deliberate though, was it? But it kind of the only chase off yeah, him. kind of. But I don't know. I did watch the replay this morning. If I'm going to be totally honest, I thought we got away with one a little okay. bit because just because. If you watch his leg, he has he has thrown a leg out. Does it come off his legs? I thought yeah. it came off his body. No, oh, okay. he, he's thrown a leg out to right. try to try and like kick it or clear it. Um, it look, it's hard, and it's probably it's probably the rule book to be honest with you that that has made that one a difficult decision. But Van Dyke was definitely an offside position. Yeah. there's no doubt about that. He was miles off, but it was just about whether Conza meant to play that ball or not. I mean, he looked like he did make an attempt to clear the ball. I I thought to be fair on the replay, but other people see it differently, and clearly the referee of the VAR saw it differently. I thought we, I think on on, on reflection, I think we probably. Got, got away we want to be honest with you but like, as I say it's all about this rule book it's about people never quite sure what the rules are yeah. and whether that is even a rule that we should be looking at I don't really know but it was what it was and it got chalked off thankfully really yeah that's interesting actually I, I definitely didn't know that and it's it's interesting to see the, the referee go to the to the monitor because like you yeah. said if it's in the rule book it's in the rule book it's the rules I don't get how there can be any sort of debate about it and we've talked about it before well, it's, it goes down to the point people don't really know what the rules are including the referees but it was because it was that subject decision it was that do you think he, he tried to play the oh, ball, okay. or do you, do you think it ricocheted off right. him? and and the decision they came to was that I think it's ricocheted off him. and that's what the VAR would have been telling the ref right, okay. um, and then the ref would have gone to have a look at it and obviously the ref just agrees with what the VAR is saying of course <laughs> but, that, but that's why he went to the monitor which uh, at the time we were all confused with. this is part of the problem of being a fan in the stadium though is that you don't know what's going on I mean we just saw him and we were all like well you don't go to a monitor if it's an offside yeah. and to me in the stadium and as I said to you the build up I was like He's miles offside. I don't know what we're debating, and, and I was surprised that the linesman's flag didn't go up because he was yeah. miles offside, absolutely miles offside. Um, but we didn't realise that the ball had ricocheted off Conza, so, so we wouldn't have known that. That's interesting. Again, it goes back to communication with those that are in the stadium. We we saw this week on Sky Sports Howard Webb going on, and they released sort of audio from all these VAR clips and things like that. But the main thing for me is communication with people who are in the stadium. I mean, it's difficult at Liverpool because they haven't even got a big screen at Liverpool. Like they've got that yeah. really slim sort of scoreboard that all it comes up with is VAR decision, whatever. There's no way of showing what happened and things like that. But you're right, we stood there in the away end yesterday. The referee stood there going to the monitor and it says VAR checking offside. So, of course, we're going to stand there and think, why on yeah. earth is yeah. he going to the monitor? So, for me... They've they've got to sort it out in terms of communication. It's 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 not good enough for the the fans who pay all their money and are stood there and they don't know what's going on. Well, you're right because I didn't like I say I didn't realise about that the, the the ricochet thing until this morning because I didn't catch the highlights until this morning. And then I was like, oh, so that's why I went to the monitor because it was a a bit of a subjective decision. Which okay, it's fair enough. Uh, but you're right, the communication poor. It often comes, yeah, the announcements often come too late as well. When it's already done. When it's already done. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, they need, and it's just so inconsistent. Sometimes it comes on the board, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you're just thinking, what's going on? And so they do need to provide that little bit of consistency and clarity for the supporters in the stadium. I think in the second half, we all expected Liverpool to go up a gear or two, didn't we? But I, I still don't think that they were fantastic. I don't, again, Martinez had a couple of bits to do. He had a couple of long range efforts from, from Gakpo, I seem to remember, but pretty routine stuff, wasn't it? I don't think we were sort of stood there thinking it's, it's definitely coming because yes, they had a lot of the ball and, you know, plenty of attacks, but I don't think Martinez really 
had a great deal of fantastic saves to do. It was similar to sort of that Chelsea away game. Do you remember? Mm. People were sort of saying, oh, Villa were lucky in that game. If you look at the stats and Chelsea had X many shots. Again, Liverpool had plenty of shots yesterday, but I don't think, you know, they were they were great. And Martinez, fairly quiet afternoon, all in all. Well, if you want to go off a stat, which I don't like using, but I did see the stats this morning. If you want to go off this stat, XJ, Villa had like a 1.6 XJ or yeah. something. Liverpool had like a 0.7 or something. And so... Clearly, they didn't have clear-cut opportunities. And so, um, the, and the reason for that is because Villa defended so well. They yeah, yeah. they have that, when they were defending, they have that bank of six, as they always do when we're defending. And Liverpool just genuinely struggled to break through us. And most of the shots came from pot shots outside the area, as we, as we said against Chelsea earlier in the season. Martinez made a couple of, you know, sort of saves that you'd expect them to make from from shots outside the area. Um, and obviously, the one time that they did get through, and they, they it was the one time the ball was played between Mings and Konza, they ended up scoring, which yeah, it can happen. You're going to give up opportunities to yeah, any course. team, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially against you know a good side. But I thought defense, our defensive structure was really, really good yesterday, um, even in the second half. And I think if, you, if we're going to moan about the one thing, I think the one thing we'd struggled to do in the second half, which probably would have given us a little bit more you know, time, a bit more breathing space because we looked tired towards the end. I think we didn't keep the ball well enough second half. Yeah. And, you know, we had a few free kicks where we just played it to them. And, um, and, I, and I get it. We didn't want to commit too many men forward. I understand it. But we didn't hold the ball well enough for me in the second half in terms of the midfield. And in terms of the strike as well, obviously we took Watkins off and John Duran came on and he struggled to really get into it. He brought him on because he wants him to be a big man and hold the ball up and... And but to be fair to Duran, we struggled to get the ball into him, number one. And then when we did get the ball into him, he did not win it or hold yeah. it up for us. And so if if it's my one slight criticism in the second half, we didn't keep the ball well enough. But away away at a club like Liverpool, you know that you're gonna face pressure, you know you're gonna face a, a heavy amount of possession. Um but I did I looked at the possession stats though, but they had like thirty eight percent possession yesterday, which is not bad actually away at Anfield. I mean most teams don't get over you know, 26, 27% away at Anfield. And so our position stats weren't actually too bad. But yeah, my one criticism, we probably didn't hold on to it well enough second half. But all round, it was it, it was a good performance. Yeah, defensively, we were very good. It felt like sort of half the squad played in that back six at some point. It yeah. changed so often, didn't it? I think Dean got injured. Moreno came on. He got injured very yeah. quickly as well, which wasn't great. Uh, McGinn went to left back at some point and then returned back to the right-hand side. Uh, Duran coming on. Dendonka came on at some point. There was a lot of change in that second half. So in terms of that, for us not to sort of panic and keep that structure, whoever was playing, you've got to give us credit there. That's really impressive. Yeah, and and uh, you know, like I'm not, I don't think the goal was anyone's fault in particular. It was just it was a good ball in, it was a good finish by mm. Firmino. But I do feel like it it um, it sort of disrupted us a little bit in terms of our momentum, even carrying the ball up the field. I think it was the Dean and Moreno one, I think, which yeah. which which did disrupt us because Dean was having a brilliant game, and then we thought, oh, it's okay, we can bring on Moreno, and that was that was fine. We were quite happy with that. Moreno would have got forward a bit more and dribbled the ball a bit more when he went off. I think that's when. Um, I think that's when it became a bit of a challenge because then we were having to shift McGinn first. And so Ashley Young, Young went, yeah, Ashley went over there, which is fine. Ashley Young did a decent job again, but I just feel like we were a bit unlucky, really, with that. We had, I mean, Dean and Moreno went off injured within the space of what seven, eight, nine yeah. minutes uh, together, and um, and so yeah, that was that was unfortunate. I did I did think that was really unfortunate, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, you can't moan, can you? Yeah. So Liverpool score in the 89th, and then the board goes up straight after saying ten added minutes, and we're like ten. 10, like I know there was a few injuries. We talked about it there. Moreno was on the floor for a bit. Dean as well. A few other ones. But 10. 10 was mental. And even in the first half, there was, what, 8? Mm-hmm. We were definitely playing until like 5 to 4, I think it was. So 18, 20 minutes of added time throughout the game. You can't moan that Liverpool didn't have a chance or, you know, we were time-wasting or anything like that. Of course we are. Those are the dark arts. Martinez got books, of course. But 
Every team is going to do that. You go away to Anfield, teams aren't just going to roll over. And th- no. this comes back to Klopp's comments about Villa time wasting. And so Klopp said Aston Villa was screwed in the second half and they didn't know how to deal with it. Deal with what? We've just talked about Martinez, didn't really have his, his shirt dirty. And it's just that sense of entitlement again. Like any team is just going to open up to you at Anfield and let you score three or four yeah. and just walk away saying, well done, Liverpool, and give them a round of applause. It's like, we're a football team as well. We want to pick up points. We're still fighting for something. Yeah. Those comments from Klopp, and they feed through to the fans, like I've already said. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I think it's comical. I think it's comical that a manager of a, a club like Liverpool, one of the big hitters in the league, expects uh, a, a, you know, a, a smaller sort of side like Villa to go to... Anfield and play how Liverpool want them want them to play. I mean, you, as you just said, we've got something to fight for ourselves. We've got something to play for ourselves. We we are obviously going to go into the game and try and get something out of the match. We're not here to we're not here to suit your agenda, Jurgen, or suit your agenda, Liverpool. We're here to do our own job, and that's what Villa did. They were. Look, let's, he was probably salty because he was absolutely tactically. He was a tactical masterclass in, yeah. from Emery in the first half. They couldn't deal with and it. They couldn't exactly. They couldn't deal with it. We weren't exactly like a Tony Pulis side yeah. football, and literally didn't even try and win the game. It was just farcical. And then I think the thing about the 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 wasted time. We okay. We know that's a problem for out, for out football. We Every talk, team does exactly. It. We were talking about the balls only played for 50, 55 minutes of a game. We know there's a problem there. But the fact was yesterday, and I've, this is what really makes me laugh, it's like all of a sudden the Premier League, the referees are now told, it's, it's game week 37, by the way, <laughs> and referees are now being told to, oh, you need to add on the correct amount of minutes onto the end of a game now. And then, so yesterday we ended up having, it was six minutes added on, we ended up playing eight minutes of the first half, and the second half we had 10 minutes added on, we ended up playing about 11 or 12 <laughs> in the end. And it's like, it makes me laugh. Like You saw in that Wolves-Everton game yesterday as well, Everton scored in the 99th yeah. minutes, and there was... Nine, ten minutes added on in that game. And it's like, hang on. So you found the wisdom to do that, but we're in the match week 37 of the season. It's like, where's this direction been before? I mean, we saw it in the World Cup, didn't we? Yeah. All these minutes. Um, I'm, I'm not bothered by it. I'm, I'm a, I don't mind it. As, as long as it's consistent. It. Yeah, as long as it's consistent. For instance, in the Wolves game the other week, Jacob Ramsey was down the floor for a good five, six minutes having treatment. The end of the game, we only had three minutes, I don't know. <laughs> and so, as you say, it's that consistency. Um, so, look, it was what it was, but I think Klopp moaning about time being wasted and stuff, you had another 18 or 19 minutes to score. And What, what and do you want? Like, you what are you asking for? Are you asking for, you're asking for 15, 16 well, that's what he minutes? said, didn't he? He said that because of the, he said because of the more wasted time in the 10 minutes added on time yesterday, they should have had another five minutes, so it should have been 15 minutes added on time, <laughs> even though they still had 11 or 12. Yeah. I just find it, you know, look, you can break us down, you couldn't score. Yeah, you had you had over a hundred minutes, over yeah. hundred and ten minutes. Like. But do you know what? Though? Do you know what? Though? He's, he, I think he knows he's under pressure, Jurgen Klopp, though, because and and people will, people might say he's not, but do you know something like Liverpool? Everyone was, everyone expects Liverpool to be challenging for the title, yeah. and yet this season they've been really poor. They've been seventh and eighth most of the season. They've had that little run towards the end of the season against like slightly smaller teams, and and they've now been able to finish sort of they're going to finish fifth they're not going to get Champions League no. that's a really poor season for Liverpool and and I, I genuinely believe he, they move into next season if he delivers another season like that for Liverpool he'll be under pressure yeah, yeah. with the money that they've spent as well everyone talks like they haven't spent money well they have if you look at it um, okay not in the same league as uh, Man City have but they have so I, it's all, I think it's all getting to Klopp I, do. I genuinely do and I think he knows he's under a little bit of pressure yeah he's, he's losing his head a little bit and you could see it in, in the post-match comments you sort of compare 
Emery's interview to Klopp's interview where Emery's humble, he's calm, yeah. he's respectful. Jurgen Klopp is the epitome of disrespect. It's patronising to Villa as if we're like Carlisle going there in the League Cup or something like you yeah. said. A Tony Pulis side who are sitting back and have got no intention of scoring. Like you talk about that 10 minutes added on. Did you forget the first half where you couldn't get, catch a sniff or, you know, yeah. Tess Martinez or anything yeah. like that? Like it's, it's just absolute nonsense forgetting we missed a penalty as well. It could have been two in that first mm. half. It's just ultimately disrespectful and I think Jurgen Klopp's a bit, bit of a knob to be honest. It's, it's, it's just absolute nonsense. A couple of standouts then. One of Dress Tyro Mings. I think we're doing a video next week, aren't we, where we're talking about our sort of end of season awards and player of the season, things like that. Not going to ruin it, but I think it's pretty obvious who me and you prefer. Douglas Louise had a great game yesterday and it's been great throughout the season, but Tyro Mings yesterday, absolutely just a, a colossus presence in the back line and he just blocks everything, headed everything away, always there. And it's nice to see on Twitter, right, because Mings has sort of had this these haters sort of in the background constantly in his Villa career. And it's quite, I don't agree with that, obviously, but it's quite nice to see them sort of turning. Mm. And it's a bit weird how they're sort of saying, oh, I, I didn't like Tyra Mings, but... But it, it says a lot when their minds are being changed because he's had that sort of stigma constantly. And no matter how well he was playing, these people's minds weren't getting changed, but now they are. And that is saying everything. He has been, for me, player of the season. Yesterday summed him up. He was absolutely incredible. He's, yeah, he's a colossus. He's a leader. Um, he he puts his body on the line. He holds his hands up when he's made a mistake. He's been incredible. He's been absolutely incredible this season. And um, yeah, he's just gone from strength to strength. And um, yeah, I, I'm running out of superlatives to describe him really. And I, and I think away from the football pitch as well, while he was absolutely brilliant yesterday, as he has been for a, a long time, away from the football pitch, you know, the video that Villa published the other day with the you know the young the young girl with autism in the week and just how he how he communicated with her yeah. and how he how he was which you know we've seen a lot recently haven't we about the um, I think it was like the Leeds players and the Arsenal players weren't it when they ignored like the mascots yeah. and they, they, they couldn't find it in them to be able to communicate with, with a mascot um, and yet you saw like how all the Villa players were they were so relaxed mm. with, with that young girl and, and, and it was like I just thought it was really nice to see and obviously Tyrone led that and um and I really thought it was fitting that he saved that performance for yesterday as well. And this is going to sound like it's really petty, and I know it is, but I thought it was really, really fitting that he saved that performance for yesterday at Anfield, where Gerard would have been watching. <laughs> Gerard probably was there, really. Let's be—we all know yes. that. Yes, and and yet there he was showing it. And also another thing: the England squad gets announced on, on Wednesday. If he's not in that England squad on Wednesday, I think it's an absolute disgrace. If I'm being honest, Eric Dyer. Harry Maguire, honestly, you're ready for it? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, honestly, if he's not back in that England squad, he shouldn't. By the way, he should never have been dropped from the England no. squad. But he was because of this ridiculous thing that Gerard came out of, and that was the reason why. That, that, we all know the reason yeah, why. Yeah. And then I can't believe he hasn't got back in it yet. But if he's not in that England squad on Wednesday, then you might as well just give up in terms of team selections from Safegate. So it'll be really interesting to see on Wednesday. But yeah, big shout out to Tyrone because. Uh, He's just been absolutely colossal and uh, yeah, what a what a joy it is to have him at our club. If you haven't already checked out that video that, that Villa did, it's sort of an eight-minute video where there's a, a young girl who's who's got autism and she wrote to the club or whatever it was and you know they, they made a special day for her. She was a mascot um, against Tottenham and you're right, Tyrone led that and he was he, he's just he's just a lovely, intelligent, mm. kind bloke, isn't he? And that yeah. video says it all. He's he's down to earth and he's he's an incredible footballer. So yeah, big shout out to Tyro Mings. So that was that then in, in the, the end of the 10 minutes. I don't think Liverpool really really created anything in that 10 minutes. I don't think they, they came no. close, did they? So yes, it was nervy. It was horrible. The bloke in front of us had his, had his stopwatch out on his phone and we were always checking and stuff. Got there in the end and a huge point for Villa. Huge point that takes us ahead of Tottenham. And 
we, we've said it for a long, long time since we've been in the hunt for Europe. If we can go to that final day against Brighton where it's in our hands, I would snap your hand off for that in the last few months, of course. And we've got there to get a point at Anfield where they've lost one game at home all season. We've already said it. It's it's incredible. And I was quite emotional that way and after the game because of the fact that it's in our hands to get into Europe for the first time in, what, nearly 15 years? Yeah. It's it's amazing, mate. That result was huge yesterday. Well, I think, and I think the players were flat out in the feet after the game because of the effort they'd put into the game. And I think you could see the reaction from the Villa supporters. They were so appreciative of the effort the players had put in because they were. They were all out on the feet at the end of that game. Yeah. Um, but it's what the manager has said all along, isn't it? If we can go into that final game of the season, knowing that our destiny is in our own face, you know, at Villa Park with all of our own supporters packed out Villa Park next week. Um, it's it's what you would have wanted. And I mean, for us to, we're having a debate on the coach last night, weren't we? And we were saying like how, you know, if it wasn't, I, I think if it wasn't Eddie Howe and how well he'd done at Newcastle yeah. this season, um, Unai Emery for me should be manager of the 100%. season. I think he took over when Villa was 17. And we talk about how Deserby's done a great job at Brighton, which he has, but he moved into a job which had a lot of foundations laid out for him by the previous manager. I mean, we all know Graham Potter's a good manager and he'll, and he'll go on to be a good manager elsewhere. And he left, you know, he left real good foundations at Brighton. And, and don't get me wrong, Deserby's done really well to carry, yeah. to carry that mantle on. Um, but if you think about the job that Emery had on his hands, coming to a side that was really failing under Stephen Gerrard and looked destined for a battle against relegation this season. For us to be, you know, now one game left in our own hands to secure European football, I just think that's absolutely bonkers, if I'm being totally honest. I, I can't believe we're actually talking about that. And so, yeah, it's all sort of geared up for next week, really. And uh, yeah, and, and, and the other thing I'd say, though, and my, my one big point is that, you know, we had the two setbacks, really. We lost against Man United and we lost against Wolves. Um, I just want to call out the characters of the team, though, because yeah. there's there's been some murmurings in the past about, as I keep saying, about the mentality of this team, about how it's a losing mentality and the training ground players, what you used to hear, and they're not they're not ready for these big fixtures and stuff. And we lost two games against Man United and Wolves, and you know they weren't great. You can say whatever you want about them; they were narrow defeats. And yet we've had on paper two really tough fixtures: Tottenham at home, Liverpool away. We got four points out of them <laughs> after losing two games like that on the spin. And I just think that just shows the mentality that's running through the group of players. Um, and we can praise Unai Emery all we want. And I love Unai Emery. But again, I, I think a lot of the praise still has to go towards the players. And I yeah. think they, they have done this under the under the stewardship of the manager. But they've done this and they've given us a real fighting chance. So, yeah, just... Just, just a big, big congratulations to the players for putting themselves in this position, and let's just hope we can wrap it up nicely. As we keep saying, we keep saying, take each game as it comes. We've now got one game, haven't we? One cup final left. Fantastic bounce back ability from those two defeats, and the mentality is brilliant from everyone at the club. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. The opposite to Tottenham, we're all sort of going on the up, aren't we? And it's it's sort of proofs in the pudding now because we are where we are, and we say that all we've got to do next week is win. It's not going to be easy, is no, it? I think no. people have sort of. And I've, I was guilty of the, the final whistle yesterday, sort of thinking, right, okay, we can do this. Yeah, of course we can. But it's going to be hard, isn't it? Because yeah. Brighton, they've had an exceptional season. But what I will say is this podcast will go out after they've played Southampton. If they beat Southampton, don't think it's mathematically done because of goal difference, but they'll be three points ahead. So they'll all but have confirmed Europa League football. So hopefully they'll take the foot off the gas a little bit. But I've said it previously, mate, I just can't see Pat Villa at home. The atmosphere is going to be probably the best we'll, we'll hear at Villa Park next week. Streamers, balloons, whatever, all side, all four sides of Villa Park, singing their hearts out. I just can't see past Villa. No, I, I agree. And I think uh, it's a bit of a difficult one today, isn't it? Obviously, we, 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 
recording this before the match this afternoon, the Brighton match this afternoon, but it's a bit, it's a weird one. Like, would you want Brighton to beat Southampton this afternoon so they go into it nothing really to play for next week against Villa, or would you want them to lose today so Villa are still in the hunt for sixth? It's a it's a difficult one. Look, we've got to take care of our own game, yeah. haven't we? <laughs> of course we haven't. If we win, we're there already. Or if we or if we just match Tottenham's result, we're there effectively. And I think that's the other key to it is that Spurs have got to go to Leeds. Leeds, Leeds have got to win that game next week. Depends, we're recording this before yeah. they play West Ham as well, so they're going to have to win. Either yeah, of way, course, they're going to have to win. Yeah, even, yeah. even if they say they got a point or even a win today at West Ham, Leeds, they will still need to go to Ellen Road next week and win. Um, and but so, you can't see past that though. To be fair, that's well, not out the realms of possibility. Well, Tottenham are soft. Allardyce yeah. at home, where they've got to win. Yeah. Possible. Well, yeah, and he has had some kind of reaction. He, I mean, he got a point against Newcastle. You know, they were they weren't bad against Man City away. To be fair to them, he's had some kind of reaction. Sam Allardyce, to be fair to him, which we kind of knew he would. Like yeah. that's what he's like. He's that's what he's being paid big yeah, bucks for. Yeah, of course, <laughs> and we kind of knew that would happen. Um, and so I wouldn't. You know, Spurs are going to go there. They're already on the beach. Let's be honest. And some of their fans don't even want Conference League football, which feels mad because of how desperate we are for it. Yeah. Um, I think Spurs are just, yeah, I, I don't want it to bite me on, on the backside, really, but they just look at the moment like so soft and they just like they just don't look like they're gonna, you know, gonna get any sort of points or wins or anything. So I don't know. I think um, I think that's a key component as well. But if we just win, we can forget about what Spurs do essentially. And so that's the big one. But yeah, I can't wait for next week. It's going to be so so good. I'm just buzzing for it. We mentioned sort of the cliche cup finals a lot, don't we? And we've had it quite a bit as Villa fans over the last sort of five years. Sort of it going down to the last day, the couple of playoff finals, the the game at West Ham. But this one feels different, doesn't it? It feels different. I've, since my time supporting Villa, I've never seen us in Europe. I've never experienced a European night home away. I know you have going away to Hamburg, yeah, yeah. things like that. That's that's where you want your club to be. As a fan who's who goes every single week, that's where you want your club to be. You want to be following them across Europe and for it to be in our hands with one game to go. It's incredible. And there were sort of vibes of Albion away in that second leg of the playoffs in terms of, you know, that iconic picture of Dino yeah. putting one finger up and saying yeah, yeah. one more, one more. And there was people in the away end doing that yesterday. I know Mings did it as well, mm. putting his finger up, one more. Yeah. It's, it's in our hands, mate. It's in our hands. And like you said, I'm buzzing for next week. The sun is going to be shining. It's going to be mm. a special, special day at Villa Park as long as we get over the line and roll on next Sunday, bank holiday weekend. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I've got a good feeling about it. You've got to, haven't you? You've got to. And I think it feels that like a little bit more special as well. Because I think getting Europe these days is tougher than it was years ago. I mean, yeah. when we were in Europe before under O'Neill, it sort of felt like the booby prize a little bit, finishing mm. sort of sixth. Because, you know, you, you were going for top four. It wasn't a big sixth back then. It was obviously a big four. It was the top four you were going for. So if you finished fifth or sixth, it was a bit like, oh, you know, it's a bit of a disappointment. That's how it kind of was under O'Neill a little bit. You know, like if you look at it now, you think, oh my God, I'd love to finish sixth three seasons on the yeah. track. But back then it was different because you didn't, there wasn't it wasn't so competitive and now you've probably got a top ten really who any of them can sort of finish in that sort of top mm. six essentially. Um and so it's very different now. And so finishing Europe would be such a huge achievement. And I think just think about the run we've had to go on just to get ourselves into the position of possibly finishing the conference league. I mean it's just madness. It's absolute madness. And it makes you feel really excited for the future because if you do do it, it's like right, we this this is a milestone we've reached yeah. now. We've reached it before our you know, probably our target time really. We, we you know if, if we do it. And then it can help you attract better players. It can help you, you know, go on and have a crack at Winning the European Trophy, which Look, West Ham are in the final. Exactly. West Ham exactly. are in the final. Bring it on, and every, people talking 
that, it being a made-up competition or it being a new competition, well, I don't care. I honestly don't care. Who cares? People say, Europa League or conference. You know, I'd rather get Europa. Definitely got, got, not conference. Like, come oh, off it. Really, look really look where it. we've been. Look where we've been. I started this channel six years ago, right? My first game was Barnsley away. Barnsley are now in League One. Yeah. We were losing at home to QPR, losing at home to Ipswich. Like, it is mental how far we've come in such a short space of time. So, just enjoy it. If you are going next week at Villa Park, be loud, sing your hearts out. The players are going to need it. It's it's just going to be brilliant, and I, I can't wait for it, honestly. Yeah, I'm pushing it. This would be such a. Oh, it'll be one of the big. Well, it's probably going to be the biggest game I've possibly been to at Villa Park. Up there, but yeah, yeah. totally on this next Sunday. Um, we know the fans will be loud. Um, it's going to be rocking, and if it, you know, if it's if the atmosphere is like it was against Newcastle and Spurs, then you know it's just going to be a great day, isn't it? And uh, yeah, fingers crossed, touch wood that we that that we make it, and then. If we do make it, what a you know what an afternoon after the match next Sunday is, is going to be. You're off on holiday the day after, aren't you? That's going to be fun. <laughs> I am going off on holiday the next day, so it could either be a, make or break. It could either be a holiday to really sort of celebrate, <laughs> or it could be like a really like a drown my sorrows, you know, disappear for a, for just over a week or so. And so, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. No, it's going to be good. Me and you will do some content this week, won't we? We're, we've got a filming day this week, so we'll do a few videos as well. I think we'll do like a, a special preview um, before the Brighton game as well. So stay tuned for that on YouTube as well. I'll put it on the podcast platforms as well so stay tuned we'll have a sort of 15-20 minute sit down talk about the Brighton game a bit like we have uh, just of course but just uh, have a little bit of a chat about how we're feeling closer to the time so if you haven't enjoyed the podcast please do uh, subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on if you ever see it advertised on Twitter or whatever give it a retweet and tell your mates about it as well if you think they'd enjoy it thank you very much for listening of course and we shall see you for that big game next week up the villa